The Hawks were all out of sorts in a shaky first quarter, but turned the tables on the Blues to snap their losing streak in style, posting a 31-point victory. Tom Mitchell was back to his best, Will Day had a career highlight he'll never forget, and we welcomed the triumphant return of Jarman Impey. There's so much to unpack here. Welcome to the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and joining me is my co-host, a man who's happy we're back on the winner's list. G'day, Tiz. Happy? I thought I'd curse them for a little while, but then... It was a Tiz 10-goal turnaround. That's what it was. All down to me. <laughs> Nothing to do with the Will Day turning point. This is all about me. Wasn't that a terrific moment? One of our listeners hit us up. I didn't actually note down who it was, but they asked us, um, is this going to be a Will Day Appreciation Hour Part 2 this week on the pod? I haven't seen much like it, really. I mean, Buddy used to do that for us, give us that impetus. Sometimes Hodgie would do it, but uh, that was incredible. Um you know, Isaac Smith had a huge role in it too. He gave the kid confidence to do it. But as soon as it went through, gee, it lifted the boys, didn't it? And they started uh, running. They started creating space for one another. They looked like a team again. Well, there's a couple of things going on there. The fact is it's uh, a relatively young and new player to the side kicking his first goal in AFL. That's bound to lift any team. But you're right. Isaac Smith coordinated with Will Day. And that small moment epitomized the kind of uh, game style that Hawthorne wanted to use and it kind of inspired them to do it you know you had Will Day sort of slightly hesitant but then he thought nah I'll give this a crack I'll give it a crack from 50 I'll take them on and he did it and it worked and I can't help but think that the rest of the side saw it and went gee that's all right <laughs> yeah well if a kid can do that there's hope for the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> exactly right before we move off Will Day I, I just want to talk about his game I thought he played his position pretty much perfectly. It was a true half-back role. He had 10 touches, most of them clustered together on that half-back flank, five marks, three rebound 50s. And uh, look, it, it probably wasn't his best game of his career so far, but it's one that we'll never forget. It's one that he'll never forget. That goal was just sensational. And I think the uh, the other moment that really propelled Hawthorne that we'll talk about now is uh, Sam Frost running through the centre corridor. Yeah, he's doing well, isn't he? I noticed we were taking the centre corridor as much as we could. Actually, both sides were fighting over it for a while, but Frosty stands up. He did a couple of things that were a little bit awkward, but uh, his attack on the contest is great for me. Well, that's the thing about Frostball, Tiz. <laughs> <laughs> we heard from our View from the Nosebleeds, who hit us up on Twitter, is Frost becoming our most important defender for his ability to take the game on? Oh, he's... he's uh... What's the word? It's like rolling the dice. It's a little bit like watching Hay and Crowd running out of defence as they used to. They just sort of stick it on the boot and hope for the best. But uh, he is learning to lower the eyes, and I think the structure around him's pretty good. I thought Stratton played well on Eddie Betts. I thought, in general, apart from that first 15 minutes, I mean, only four goals after that, Hawthorne were just all over him. Um couple of unfortunate free kicks and 50-meter penalties, but, yeah, we outplayed them for the rest of that game, and I'm not sure what was going on in the Carlton box, but they had no answers, and it was great to see another another side, uh, other than Hawthorne, struggling to change the momentum of the match. <laughs> it's true. Now, uh, Tiz, who is your MVP for this match? Who would you like the best on the night? I really enjoyed it as a team effort. I felt um, a lot of guys were played into form by Carlton, as as you know we have been doing since about 05, isn't it? I think when they only had one loss. Oh, we had a ridiculous streak going, and uh, <laughs> it was undone for what one game. 
where, uh, if you'll remember, I was in Canada at the time. Yeah, well, I remember I was at the ground. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, miserable night, that one. But no, I mean, we've really had the wood over them for a long time. And you're right in saying that it did seem to play for you guys into form. It was a very even performance, which is what we want. Um, interesting to note that of the coaches' votes, Tiz, Jack Gunston was the number one. He, he scored the nine votes. I mean, he was great up forward again. Don't get me wrong. I just thought Tom Mitchell might be the guy who who got eight votes from the coaches. Uh, but Jack Gunston, though, third time this year he's kicked three goals, seven score involvements in all, 16 touches. And uh, he's looking like the dangerous forward of old Jack Gunston this year. Yeah, I think it's true that he likes being forward rather than back behind the ball. But I did see him, you know, doing some, some hard yards there as well. We remember that he had a... Um, a shortened preseason. I didn't think we'd score as well as we did, but it seems like Bruce and Impey just have a tremendous impact. One of our listeners, George D, hit us up and uh, mentioned that the Hawks' record with Bruce versus without Bruce is quite remarkable. He wants to know, is he the Hawks' most important player? It's an interesting question. It certainly seems like it after that game, but uh, surely not. For a half-forward to be the most important player, that, that can't be right can it i don't know about most important but i'd say he definitely helps like he is a noticeable presence and you know gives you a little x factor out there he's capable of a lot of great things as a forward and a lot of miraculous things and it's just one extra guy for the opposition to worry about he does a lot of those u-turns he always seems to be in a dangerous spot at the fall of the ball um and he takes his time to work out where he wants to put it uh very good player we know how professional bruce is Excellent goal. I think that was in the first quarter, one of the two. So you can't say enough about Bruce, really. He doesn't seem to be overly rated by the commentary team, but when you look at the... He's just not flashy, is he? I mean, you look at Wingard and all of a sudden, oh, there's Wingard, but Bruce does it and there's that boo from the crowd and it goes through the sticks. And you're like, oh, well, it happened. it's a bit like Dunstall. Oh, he marked it again. Watch him go back and kick it. You know, it's very professional, very methodical. I know exactly what you mean. And for that reason, I, I kind of see Bruce as one of the most underrated Hawks of the past well, few years, really. Even though he's a triple premiership player, somehow, I don't know, we're still in that position where it's like, oh yeah, Luke Bruce. It's like, no, he's a champion. He's been so, so consistent and so potent for us up forward that uh, when he walks back into the lineup after about a month on the sidelines... Gee, you notice it. Like, it's good to have him back out there. He looked like he copped one in the jaw again this week, so I hope he's all right. But it's similarly with Tom Mitchell, you know. You know, we know <laughs> we only really notice in his absence. He hasn't had a great month, and then he turns up against Carlton, and that was a wonderful game from him. It just looked like the three midfielders clicked. Again, somewhat surprising that Tom Mitchell didn't take out the, uh, the most coaches' votes because he ranked number one in so many areas. Uh, between both teams, but 28 touches, 10 of those contested at 78.6% disposal efficiency, eight tackles. That's a big one for me. Eight tackles, that's massive. It is, absolutely. Uh, Equal team high, five clearances. Uh, He matched O'Meara and Shields for that. Equal team high inside 50s, matching Burgoyne. And uh, the most metres gained of either side, Tiz, with 459. And I don't think there was anyone close to him. Wow. You know, that just signals he's back. And couldn't happen to a nicer bunch. <laughs> <laughs> it did seem like the Tom Mitchell of old. It was uh, it was really great to see. Uh, I guess the, the midfield contingent in general finally seemed like 
they got it sorted out. Uh, Liam Shields was very impressive. He ran with Cripps for a bit there, battled hard in the first quarter with just the two touches. And then uh, you'd have to say that he played a pivotal role in turning that game. Uh, he notched up seven touches in the second quarter, two of those being goals, Tiz, and I think he had three centre clearances that quarter as well. Yeah, they couldn't really deny Cripsy's touches, but uh, when he did have it, he didn't have an easy out to his left or to his right, and he often had to kick it himself. And well, and then there was a couple of moments in the game where he felt like it was him versus Hawthorne. He was trying to do everything, which was way too much for him, and he missed a couple of attempts on goal, got a cheapy late on. You know, really good work by the midfield coach to work out how to dismantle them. And I thought they handled Pitto well. I thought Segler got a number of hit-outs that were very, very good um, to our advantage. And uh, McAvoy didn't spend much time behind the ball, really, did he? You know what I liked about this game, Tiz, in that respect? Segler and McAvoy didn't notice him. Yeah. I mean, I think Segler uh, certainly... Went to great pains to make sure he got the better of Pitto. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm highly complimentary in, in that sense. I didn't notice them, and that's a good thing. <laughs> they sort of did what they needed to and, and mission accomplished for them, which is great. Uh, the other guy in the midfield I want to talk about, James Warple, I thought he was also a huge factor in dragging Hawthorne up off the canvas when it really started to matter. A stack of contested possessions, 13 by the end of the game. He had seven intercepts, Tiz. Five tackles, second only to Tom Mitchell there. Uh, his meters gain and his disposal efficiency, kind of down, but it was really just his ability to win the ball that helped turn the tide for Hawthorne. Yeah, he basically went head-to-head with Cripps in that capacity, didn't he? And he looked pretty good. Um, I'm wrapped for him because I'd had a couple of concerns over him for the last month. Uh, just didn't seem to be kicking on. But it's odd. You look a lot quicker when you just go straight up the guts. <laughs> That's funny, that, isn't it? We heard from Al, uh, who hit us up on Twitter. Do you think Warple settled a bit into his midfield role on Friday night? It seems like Mitch and Warps weren't getting in each other's way like they have before, with Mitch getting plenty of it. Between them, O'Meara and Shields, they really looked to gel on Friday. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've noticed uh, a little bit of uh, the oh, their heads sort of nearly clashing a couple of times in the last few matches, and that's just because they're both very keen and, and want to get to the ball first, but it was a bit smarter this week, and it worked well. Uh, one of my favourite parts was uh, how good Burgoyne was in the face of criticism by much of the media. <laughs> he did respond well, didn't he? There'll be no talk of dropping him this week, especially with the extended break. It's it's just great for an old stager like going to stare down those fellas, the doubters. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be fair. I'll put my hand up and say that I was one of those people that thought, oh, yeah, maybe give him a rest this week and we'll see if we can inject some more youth. And I, I dare say quite a few Hawks fans are on the same page with that one. But there he was. He got it done. He switched it on, Tiz. This is a game in which he entered the top five most games played in AFL history. <laughs> He's doing all right. That second quarter was sublime. He had eight touches, five score involvements, and two goal assists by the end of the match. That is just nuts. He's just a wild card up there, isn't he? He can, just his presence around the ball, just keeping it in play. A couple of moments there, he's outnumbered, and somehow he still wins the ball. He can still make stuff happen, no matter where he is on the field. And as exciting as Burgoyne was... 
I think all eyes were on the returning Jarman Impey, who gave us a bit of both ends, really, both ends of the ground. Just the 11 touches, most of them in our forward half. Uh, his goal, mate. His goal was such a great moment. Yeah, Timmy loved that, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Because Timmy brought it to ground, then he got it, then he gave it back to him, and Timmy just starts starts after him. He's not as quick as Impey, but he, he got there, and then <laughs> everyone ran to Impey, which was just fantastic. And one of my favourite bits is Gunston didn't even bother to look back over his head to check it had gone through. That's... <laughs> he just ran to the celebration. That was just the kind of spirit that I missed. I mean, obviously, it's a massive moment for Impey, but... What about the club? Like, I don't feel like we've seen that kind of, that attitude and fun-loving spirit since Optus Stadium last year. That's where I remember it from. I feel like they really tapped into something and I remembered it and I loved that moment for it. And there was nobody around and he just set sail for home and it went straight through. And in that moment, we kind of knew, didn't we, that this is ours? I think so. You know me, I'm a sentimental guy. I tend to look at games of footy as... uh, as narratives and, and, and more in the emotional sense. And I feel like when that sort of thing clicks into place for your team, I, I did have a good feeling about Hawthorne at that point. I thought this kind of thing only happens to a side that wins the day. It's just those first 15 minutes, what was going on? I didn't really want to talk about the first 15 minutes because I, I did want to keep Of course things... you don't, but that's a major concern to me. <laughs> we hardly got a touch. We didn't look likely. Um, couldn't get it past halfway. They were kicking them from everywhere. What was going on? For this small little sliver of negativity, and bear with us, listeners, we have so much more positive stuff to talk about. We'll get to that in a sec. We'll get back on track. But I'm not going to mince my words, Tiz. I thought that was perhaps the worst patch of footy I've seen in probably the last month. <laughs> that that small segment was worse than anything I'd seen. It was um, it was quite something. We were making mistakes uh, structurally um, and and competitively as well. Just just no spirit. Just giving nothing. I think our defence immediately looked shot, and that shocked me deeply because I'm like, wow, that's the line that I personally rate most. Looks like they've lost their mojo from the opening bounce. Um, you know, players not looking at the ball even and, and focusing on, like, you know, just the wrong stuff. Players getting out in the open with 20 metres clear by themselves. It was just remarkable. And, gee, I'm glad they righted the ship, mate, because it could have been really ugly if it had followed that path. For them to ride it without having to head back to Clarko at the end of the quarter, I think, uh, says a lot about the maturity of some of the group. Um, and I thought some of the older players did stand up this week. Yeah, that's right. Um, this was a really important game. Uh, I, I think that is an astute observation to say that we're able to turn it inside the first quarter. Uh, this never-say-die attitude uh, was really important to display. It's a big confidence booster game, or at least it has the potential to be. Um, that should give them a lot to go on with, the guys. Just circling back around to uh, Jarman Impey, uh, just for a second, we heard from Jesse, who hit us up on Twitter at HawkTalkPod. Biggest positive has to be Impey. First week back, but he looked real good. As good as it was seeing that forward line with Impey, do you reckon we swing him down back at some stage as we still lack a bit of speed off the half-back line? Yeah, I think that happens. Um, I, I thought the speed of Impey on the half-forward line was great for us, especially in tandem with with Bruce there, who knows his positioning much better than than Impey, but Impey also took a couple of contested marks, which was great for us. And I did notice that our wings weren't as um, 
effective as I imagine they would be at Optus. So I think I think Scully and Smith um, sort of underperformed, but Impey, I mean. He's a driving force, really. There was a moment, uh, besides his goal, I mean, Impey brought a lot, as you say, contested marks, but there was a moment on the uh, half-forward line, I think it would have been in the second half of the game. Uh, I I spoke to my dad about this uh, on the phone because I remembered it so vividly. Just when the camera seems to be on like a tight shot as the ball is rolling towards the boundary and you got a Carlton bloke and a Hawthorne bloke competing... And then just out of nowhere, just like a bolt of lightning, Impey's in the frame. I'm like, bloody hell, I've missed this. Exactly. But for his injury to be coming back at doing that kind of stuff, fair play to him. He has made sure he is in peak condition to be able to do that. It certainly seems that way. We heard from Chris as well. Uh, he hit us up on Twitter, at HawkTalkPod. Gents, who is the Hawks' barometer at the moment? I know he's only played one game since returning, but is it Jars or is it the new kid on the block, Mr. Day? Oh, surely it's not Day yet. Is it? I don't think it's Day yet, and I'll tell you why. Day's actually been pretty consistent. <laughs> you know, losing sides, winning sides. He's sort of played a pretty good game for, for every one of those he's been in, so I don't think he's, he's the barometer yet. My pick, my personal pick, and I'll get yours as well, I reckon Wingard. If Wingard is visible and he's dangerous, not necessarily impacting the scoreboard mind, but if you can see him putting in and contributing, I think that's telling. I mean, it's a little bit cliche to, to to name a forward when we're on, but certainly Gunston seems to be the barometer at the moment. Absolutely. As long as he keeps hitting the scoreboard, that's a massive factor. Some other things I want to note, just for listeners, uh, our back six once again registered the most one percenters for our team, with Frawley leading the way with six. So it's good that all of them are putting in, uh, as they did last week. Our back half when it becomes most urgent, when the opposition are looking most dangerous, they're willing to do the hard stuff, which is good to see. Now, we mentioned this before as well. Uh, Pittenet had himself a good year to that point, but he was soundly beaten by both Segler and McAvoy, 22 and 19 hitouts respectively. Uh, we won almost every key stat, in fact, barring tackles, contested marks, and clearances. And uh, here's the big one, Tiz. Brace yourself. We lost the free kick count again. Yeah, I can't remember the last time we won that, so... We did, however, get a holding the ball free. I nearly declared victory at that point. Was that Timmy? Was it Timmy? I don't remember who it was now. <laughs> I think it was Timmy and he kicked a goal from it. Oh, no, it was earlier than that. It was when we were being um, bashed from pillar to post and we got a free for holding the ball and I thought, oh, this is incredible. We might be on here. <laughs> <laughs> we made up the deficit, but it wasn't enough. Uh, I think this is the closest we've come to winning the free kick count in a game this year. I think we only trailed by three in the end. Um, and it's been a lot worse than that. So, yeah, take what you can get, I guess. But you got to say, that's because we were first to the footy this week, right? We're a bit more aggressive. That helps. <laughs> it absolutely helps. Uh, we heard from Andrew, who wants to talk about Ben Stratton. Andrew writes, he's been useless this year for us so far till this game, but I still think Eddie Betts checks under his bed every night for Ben Stratton. Incredible how often a guy as brilliant as Eddie has a stinker when Strats plays on him. Or Litherland. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> Gee, you're talking about Mason's multi. I wish I had money on that. Yeah. Well, Strats usually does him over and he did him again, didn't he? Didn't even have to pinch him this time, which is good. <laughs> And we heard from Dino, thoughts on Scully's game. He wasted it a bit and got lucky a couple of times, or didn't he? Now, he had two goal assists and five scoring involvements. Um, Scully's out of form like you wouldn't believe. The match 
format is against his you know his game style even Jordan Lewis conceded that on the uh, commentary and I enjoyed the commentary this week which uh, was an absolute bonus haven't had anything like that in a while it felt very even and, and fair towards Hawthorne it did and they they even talked us up at, at some points individually and as a team and uh, yeah I I think there's been a lot of harsh words written about Lewis and his relationship with Clarko, but uh, there's a certain affinity with the colours still runs through him, I think. But back to Scully, I'm disappointed in both our wings' output. Um, Smithy uh, looped over for for a nice goal, um, but on those big, wide-open expanses of of Optus Oval, I thought we'd have a lot more run out of those guys, and um, I'm sure it'll happen. But I think Scully's very low on confidence at the moment, and uh, he wasn't exactly shown up in f- his physicality this week, I didn't think. No, you're right. You're right. The thing that almost undid him this week was uh, he just wasn't particularly sharp with his disposal. I-, I think he was even following team rules. That that bit, and it did result in a goal, so I'll give him credit for that. But he was on the wing, and he centred it to Shields, and oh boy, that kick was just utter garbage. And Shields was enormously lucky to still be able to take possession of it and get us going. But uh, it's one of those frustrating things where it's like, yep, okay, I I see what you're trying to do. That is the right kick to make. We're away. However, it needs to be a good kick. (laughs) You still need to nail the disposal. Otherwise, we get burned immediately. So, look, Scully wasn't shown up for his physicality this week, but there's still areas of his game where it's like, Oh, come on. Let's let's get some confidence going. I'm still excited for how good Scully can be. He hasn't tapped into how good he can be yet. No, not at all. I agree with that. So Stewie Bro has an interesting observation. He says, I noticed no matter how the game was going, especially in the first 15 minutes, the lads were having a smile slash laugh. Um, you've been critical of that in the past, Nick. Uh, we've been down by a lot and they're still laughing. But anyway... <laughs> really seemed to be shackle-free and enjoying the game. I must admit, I didn't notice in the first quarter. Oh, I certainly didn't notice it then. <laughs> it was uh, it was as the game wore on. The, the guys were clearly having fun, and it showed. It had been a while since we've seen that side of them, as I said earlier in the show. So, yeah, look, I, I think that was a big factor. It's like an advertisement for WA, really, isn't it? Kind of is. <laughs> It seemed like they were enjoying footy again, which is more than what we could say for their time in New South Wales. Now, Dominic has an interesting postulation. Is Sicily the best league defender? Well, he goes on to say, I think he's currently averaging more intercepts, rebounds, metres gains than Haynes at a 5% disposal efficiency better than Haynes. And that's his only competition, really. So Dominic's wondering if he gets All-Australian this year. Well... On those numbers, he'd be a good show. He was terribly unlucky to miss last year. He was. And he asks whether Titch can regain his 2018 form, and I, I think that's still to be seen, but definitely this week was a step in the right direction. And he also wants to know when Lewis returns, Nick. <laughs> you couldn't resist giving me that question. Your hospital hand pass it to me, just because he's one of my faves. It's cruel. It's cruel, I tells you. How did he go in the Pracky match? Did they have one yet? Or I'd love to be able to tell you, mate. Uh, every time I go searching for it, and our listeners hit us up on Twitter as well, they're like, oh, what have you heard? Well, bugger all. <laughs> it's a bit hard to get any kind of 
intel on the boys when they're away. It's blood from a stone at the moment. At least earlier in the year, we were getting stuff from like uh, Hawk headquarters and Big Footy of people who are actually attending. So you can get the lowdown with people writing their own notes. But these days, we're relying on the club to feed us some in- info. That's, uh, well, all we get these days is just the uh, the power of positivity from Andy Otten. Everyone's playing well. He's amazing, that fellow, isn't he? <laughs> he should probably get some kind of role with the government at the moment just to keep everyone up, you know, <laughs> up and about. It's true. He always has a nice word to say about all of our players. But uh, did we have a scratch match? I'd love to talk about it, Tiz, but I don't have any info. They must be having one. They must be having one. Something to do with Carlton. They're pretty close, the old Carlton and Hawthorne. Um, administrations. But of course I've avoided the question long enough. When does Lewis return? Um, not anytime soon, I would say. And even uh, even Patton. It's, it's going to be tough. You know, for all your frustrations with O'Brien, he does have an impact in his own curious way, does Tim O'Brien. Oh, mate. Mate, mate, mate. I nearly broke my laptop. <laughs> when he didn't mark that ball... I thought, and Gunston was waiting for it. Can I just put that out there? He was, Bruce was looking for Gunston. Timmy, <laughs> Timmy was, <laughs> Timmy was not the target. I don't care what you say. But that was going to be the most magnificent quarter. And uh, I shouldn't go on about it because he made it right, didn't he? He made amends, yeah. First goal of the second term, Timmy O'Brien puts it straight through. And I did hashtag believe in Timmy or something like that. And, uh, you know, I kind of do. I kind of like how he stood up. I love how he gave it to Impey and then celebrated hugely with the boys. I think he's really part of that squad. And um, if he can get free kicks from holding the ball decisions and take a couple of grabs and, you know, he does have a spot. If you're a Hawks supporter that's backing in either Patton or Lewis over O'Brien at this point, I'd be curious to know why. Um, you know, obviously everyone knows I love Lewis and I think it'd be great if our new recruit Patton would do something, but Well, I think I think size size and shape would be the two major reasons why you'd back uh, the other two boys over Timmy O'Brien, but he's a he's a rangy player. He's uh, and he can and he can be manoeuvrable. And in the absence of uh, a few of the players like uh I, I suppose Frawley will be will be heading off into retirement shortly, and so will McAvoy. Um, there's certainly a usefulness to O'Brien. He's just got that extra versatility as opposed to the other two at the moment, as you've pointed out. And look, yeah, he is frustrating. That mark killed me as well, or the non-mark, I should say. That really was disappointing. But, uh, you know, this is a year which I, I can't believe we're at this point because I had such high hopes for our tall forward division, it's a year where that side of our game just hasn't worked out. But the best part of it has been Tim O'Brien, who's been the best of the three. So you've got to stick fat with that. Now, speaking of difficult questions, uh, Bob, the team looked much better balanced with McAvoy and Segler playing forward and ruck instead of in defence and ruck. And it's becoming clear that we can't play McAvoy, Segler, O'Brien, Gunston, Patton and Lewis all in the same team as you'd have the world's tallest forward line. Assuming everyone is fit and in form, who would you play and where on the field would you play them? 
And with that taken into consideration, how does Tiz still find a spot for Nash in the team? Oh, the tables have turned. Isn't that barbed? (laughs) Go on, mate. Off you go. Bob's laid the gauntlet down and uh, you justify his selection. Well, obviously, Burgoyne's too old and Nash comes in for him because he's that mercurial (laughs) top talent. Wow. Well, that took about 20 minutes for you to change your tune. Jeez. No. Uh, He's quick. And um, I'd love to see Nash on the wing, half forward, just piling into blokes with his ridiculous tackle uh, prowess. He's hurt a few blokes already, and he hasn't had that many games. Um, He's a big fella. I know he doesn't take big marks, but he's one of those guys that, uh, if he can get confidence, and if he does eventually do what his body's capable of. He's a terribly difficult matchup. Especially on the wing. And seeing as you bring that up, it was in our scrimmage against GWS recently, as Andy Otten reported, Nash was played as a high half forward and on the wing. And I read that, mate. I said, oh, here we go. It's happening. Ruck next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's being shifted little by little all the way down to full back. Yeah, no, they put him on the wing for fitness, mate. It's got nothing to do with him playing there in the real team. <laughs> They're just like, you run up and down the ground all day, Nash, and once you're fit enough, we might select you. Nash has potential to be a winger, and you know it. Everyone knows it. Give it a go. Come on. It's 2020. Yeah, all right. Anything goes this season. I understand. Yep. <laughs> uh, back to the question of how do you work out the world's tallest forward line and who do you actually pick? Well, I wouldn't have all three of O'Brien, Patton and Lewis in. I'd play maximum two, and even then I'd be tempted to play only one of them. Yeah, I don't think Gunston's a problem there. In fact, I think Gunston does better when he's got two big fellas near him. Um, just that third target that somehow finds space. you just got to get the patterns right, which is something they weren't doing. The leading patterns were not working out. I'd be inclined to play O'Brien as a half forward. Um that would be that'd be my move with him, and then with Patton and Lewis, yeah, it, it has to be one of them. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to call at the moment because one's injured perpetually, and one was horrifically out of form last time we saw him. So I don't know. Oh, look, that'll that'll work itself out. Um, I do think, given playing at the MCG each week, I think it's looked much worse on smaller grounds. But if you're playing at the MCG and you're up against an opposition with a small backline then Patton, Lewis and O'Brien would absolutely scare the thunder out of them. And if you added Nash coming in off the wing and sitting at the back or, you know, even crumbing or running through to the back and we're getting those easy over-the-back Adelaide goals, which they no longer seem to get ever. Um, remember that was Nash's speciality? <laughs> or, you know, something what he was trying to do. That that meant they had to run back with Nash and it, and it gave them more space, which is something they didn't really have to worry about well, they certainly didn't respect Puopolo because they knew unless he was climbing all over their backs, he wasn't really a marking target. We heard from Daniel who uh, hit us up on Twitter. We moved the ball much quicker, but we could use some more pace in the side. And he puts forth CJ, Nash, Walker, Finn as candidates. I'm inclined to agree. I think we could still have uh, one more spot open for, for a slightly speedier player. And you know who my nomination is going to be. We'll talk about him later. CJ, of course, would be my pick. But uh, do, do you do you sort of agree with that assessment from Daniel? I'm a bit worried about Walker, to be honest. He's finding it too hard to get on the park. Finn would... What's Finn doing? 
Is he good enough? He seems to be trying his heart out, but if I'm reading between the lines... He's learning the style or something. That's right, he, he needs to learn the system. So he, he's got a lot of talent to burn, but I think Hawthorne just want to see him, you know, pick at the playbook a bit more. Well, he, he looks talented and, and certainly looked one of the best prepped going into the draft. So um, I think we'll certainly get to see him. His numbers in the scrimmages are promising. Like he, he's, he's got talent there, I believe that. Um, so then I have to scrounge for a reason why he hasn't gotten to go yet. Now, Darcy echoes a point I made a little earlier. I just wanted to mention how much I enjoyed the commentary team this week. Hutto, Rue and Lewis gave really good insight without the anti-Hawthorne spin we've come to know and expect of late. Yeah, I kind of miss the jealousy that comes out of the commentary box, but on the other hand, we did get some interesting insight, didn't we, Nick? I liked it. I liked it. I didn't really have a bad word to say about commentary. I mean, we already celebrated this fact before, but it was it was a nice change of pace. Hutto's relaxing, isn't he? He's the best caller for mine. Uh, Hawks Forever says, Fantastic win by the boys. In particular, the older players stood up and repaid Clarkson's faith and loyalty. However, we cannot rely on this emotion every game. Is it? That's interesting. They've said that emotion is a very key point of it too. They didn't... I thought the structure played into it a lot actually i thought carlton had real trouble breaking down our structure but i understand the emotion brought us back into the match is it time to play some more kids even though we might lose but the education will be invaluable in the long run well it might be but as finals are still on the cards clarko will not even um, entertain the idea of doing the old um tank you're 100% correct. He's not waving the white flag yet. He signalled that even before the Carlton game. He wanted to back the older guard in to see what they can get done, and uh, they repaid him. They repaid the faith that Clarkson was showing. And in the post-match, he was still aggressive. <laughs> That's right. In a sense, he had the last word. Speaking post-match, following the side's impressive 31-point win over Carlton, Clarkson reflected on the past month's challenges. This is from hfc.com.au, of course. This is a quote. Most of it, the criticism, has been directed at me. That's a little bit fortunate in that the players have been sheltered from it. But trying to push a divide between anyone at our football club is a fruitless exercise, really, because we are so strong and tight from the board right through to the coaching area and the players. We've been getting bashed from pillar to post everywhere, including on the ground. But for the resolve of the group to stand up when you've got five goals down 20 minutes into the game, it says a little bit for the group and the character of them. That, that was uh, Clarkson's best post-match performance all year, I would say. Yeah, well, he's a genius, Clarko, uh, as they said after the, after the game. You know, every win is a genius. No, they didn't do that this week, did they? They made it about the players, the commentary team, which is something I enjoyed. On-field leadership and some of the boys just returning to the form we know they're capable of. I, I want to get your thoughts. Based on that tweet from Hawks Forever, though, um, where do you stand with this Hawthorne side? Do you want them to start playing youth? I know we just had a good win, and it seems counterintuitive to say, but, you know, we've still got an opportunity here. We're still at the crossroads. Do we start? We, do we just make that decision now? Do we call it and we start playing youth, or do we stick strong to what Clarko is trying to do? This is like the year where tanking would be the least beneficial. Only a couple of the uh, states are playing footy for you to get a look at the youngsters. And it's going to be a lot of crystal balling. So getting low in the draft this year it's less likely to work out than, you know, ordinarily. And ordinarily, after the 10th pick, you're one in three play 100 games. So 
just play out the season, fellas. And there's a lot of guys that are just going to be on a fanfare here. This will be their last year. Do we have to speak of it in terms of tanking, though? Does it have to be called that? Well, what else do you want to call it if you... I'd, I'd just prefer the club be more flexible in their selection, that's all. We've got a lot of players out there who haven't played a lot of games together, like Warple, Mitchell and O'Meara. So we're lacking gelling there. Um, you know, you've got to give... Even if you've got the old fellas out there with them, the only time to learn is in match. There's only so much you can tell them. Yeah, but I want others to get that opportunity to be in the heat of battle, is what I'm saying. But you're going to take the old fellas out. Like, unless you're rotating the young fellas out. Well, that might be the only thing we can do without completely destroying our structure. That, that might be what we have to work with. See, I think Greaves probably deserves a game. But here you go. Who do you take out for him? Well, I mean, you'd do a straight swap with Will Day, probably. There you go. So yes, we're taking another young bloke out, but if that's what you got to do to expose some of these guys to the level, then that's the position we find ourselves in. And it's not tanking to do that. And are you really exposing them to the level anyway because we're playing such a bastardised form of the game this year? <laughs> uh, that is the question, isn't it? Uh, as, as we look ahead to the to the ad break, I just did want to make mention as well, uh, O'Meara and Frost played their 100th games this week, which is good to see. And good for them to have a win. And Bruce kicked his 400th, which was lovely. See, again, Bruce is still somehow wildly underrated. 400 goals ain't bad. That's wonderful. He's one of my favourites, Brucey. And he's a very nice at all the family fun days too. That he is. Uh, we're going to head into the break now, mate. Get to some social media stuff. Then we'll come back and got a bit of news floating around. We won't do a preview of the Frio game just yet, since that's still a while away, August 10th. But uh, we've still got a bit left up our sleeves just yet. So it looks like people have had a bit of time on their hands, Nick. Uh, been getting onto the old Apple podcast and giving us a couple of reviews. And can I say it couldn't have come at a better time? This one from Nick Horsley. Awesome pod, guys. Love your commitment to the club and the fans. Always a highlight of the week. And Nick left us five stars. So thank you very much, Nick. Uh, I'm going to get you to read out the next one, Tiz. The next one from uh, Brittenwalder, Brightonwalder. However you say it, uh, go ahead. These guys are great. Especially that Tiz bloke. Oh. Absolute must have. <laughs> I'm not going to get through this. Absolute must have companion to any hawker nowadays. Not only informative, but just good for a laugh and staying up to date on the latest with the team. If you're a hawk supporter and you don't have this downloaded, you're missing out. That's terrific, Nick. Did you write that yourself? Or? Well, I just want to track back to the uh, sentence, absolute must-have companion to any Hawken nowadays. Is he talking about the podcast or you? No, no, no. That'd be the pod, surely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks to both of you for uh, those reviews. They're lovely, kind words and five stars for each. Uh, if you do love the show, of course, head on to Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. Uh, Twitter, you can head on there as well. As we said, it's an absolute blast when we have a win. At Hawk Talk Pod, that's where you want to go. Facebook, uh, our Facebook fans are really passionate too and we love hearing from them. Facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod and uh, Patreon. Patreon's an interesting one at the moment. I think we're both scrapping for time to put out some extra content and uh, there's no lack of passion behind it. We just need to get everything together. But by supporting our show, you make it that much more likely that we can devote time to putting out bonus stuff. Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. So we're going to have the Frio 2015 prelim up with our commentary track, Nick. So, well, I mean, it's a, what is it, a special comments track? Not really commentary, unless you want to do that smooth jazz commentary that I'm so fond of. <laughs> I kind of want to now. 
That'd be fun. Uh, think of it like a DVD commentary. So it's not, you know, it's not a play-by-play call. It's not your Bruce and BT or anything like that. It's just us kicking back and we're watching the game and we're, we're talking about it. I might go nuts when Doc kicks that goal, though. Is that all right? If I'm allowed to go nuts when Suckling kicks it from 50. <laughs> all right, done. Deal. All right, we'll head back into the show. Now, how is this for an exciting moment through the week? CJ elevated to the senior list. Hawthorne has confirmed young defender Changwath Jeth was upgraded to the senior list last week following Ricky Henderson's placement on the long-term injury list. I think he had a meniscus tear in the knee. Um, I think he's back in town. Yeah, so it was at least going to be six weeks and, you know, Hawthorne were right to see that as an opportunity. And uh, as they write, Jeth has been performing strongly in the club's recent scrimmage matches, playing predominantly on the half-back line. Speaking before about a bit more pace in the side, mate, here's your opportunity. Another halfback flanker. How terrific. <laughs> well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we all had Impey earmarked for that role, and then we saw that he was played forward predominantly against Carlton. So, you know, that, that could be where they want to use him. I tell you what, I was watching, been watching Port Adelaide a couple of times recently, and that Carl Amon that we were heavily linked to. Mm. Remember that? Yes. He is playing very well for Port. Mm. Off the wing, off halfback. Um, interesting to watch. I like his game. Mind you, we've probably got enough from Port, don't we? <laughs> That's right. We've done very well for ourselves. Um, four-time premiership coach, thank you very much. Burgoyne, Wingard, Impey. Don't forget Gillum. Anyone I've forgotten? There'll be someone I've forgotten. People are going to be like, oh, what about? <laughs> <laughs> At Hawk Talk Pod listeners, don't delay. Get on straight away and let Tiz know about it. Anyway, we're 50 grand lighter. For a couple of packets of chips. What is this garbage? Well, you know why that happened. It's because both Scully and Patton, respectively, cost us a bag of chips. So it was time to write that deficit, mate. We had to get back into the green with bags of chips. Oh, the third and fourth round, yeah, <laughs> for a packet of chips. That's what they were saying, wasn't it? Yeah. Now, I, 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 to be honest, this just seems thunderously re- uh, overkill. But um, I suppose given the current environment, it's not. And uh, 25 grand is, uh, what do they say, suspended. We are, of course, talking about uh, Hawthorne being uh, sanctioned. We were stung for a breach of COVID-19 protocols because a bunch of our non-selected players felt a bit peckish and uh, went somewhat outside the rules to get some chips at the Sydney Clash. And uh, yeah, it was against the rules, so we've been stung for it. More than any other club, which is interesting. I want to know how they ended up at that decision. 50 grand. How did they reckon that this was worse than some of the other things? I do not know, mate. And poor Mitch Cleary has come out and said it was a Lay's packet of chips, so he's out for another <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, he, do you reckon he'll go about his job quite the same way now? Well, if he felt secure before, he certainly won't now. That is, that is some ridiculous stuff. And it just... Makes you wonder how the Tigers get such lovely fixtures and they seem to have these cushy little things happen to them. (laughs) uh, Oh, yeah, you know, Gotchin gets off in the prelim. Oh, no, he didn't hit him in the head, etc. Well, what it does also is it undermines the uh, supposed independence of the AFL media. Uh, They're meant to be an independent body reporting on the game and stuff like this... it just makes it seem like it's just so not the case. And- Mate, it's a it's a satellite PR firm. And then look, we've had conversations with AFL journos who are proud of their independence, or at least 
you know, they they felt that they'd worked to show that they were independent. And um, well, that's just that's just thrown to the wolves now. In the past, one in particular got <laughs> slid into our DMs and got very snippy with me because you know I love talking about the footy media, mate. It's part and parcel of our social media presence for the Hawk Talk podcast. I think it was the word Pravda, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was the word Pravda that, that got him. But anyway. Um... <laughs> Anyway, you've taken the high road there and you haven't entered that again. So well done, Nick. I admire you for that. If I really wanted to, I could have gone back to our conversation, which no, of course I haven't deleted because of course I knew someday I'd be proven right that the independence of the AFL media would be thrust into question tears. I knew it would happen and yet I've resisted. You could just go back and do a subtle thumbs up to one of the comments. Ooh, it'd be so satisfying, but no, no. No, but you feel for the bloke, don't you? Because uh, he's been sold a pup. Well, that's the point. It's like, what what would I be trying to accomplish by doing that? It's it's a bit petty, but also, I'm on their side. Like, I want I want the perception of independence. I I want them to be an independent reporting arm for the AFL. Like, I just I don't want there to be a question of that. And I I think it's sad also that a guy could be doing his job and. Oh, it just, it just seems so unfair to him. Very unfair. All in the public arena. Anyway, Mitch Cleary's back. It took 24 hours. They got so much more hype and more eyes on that story than would ever have happened if they just let that tweet go that is kind of ridiculous. And But this is the thing. They're under pressure, and you've got to judge people when they're under pressure. That's what Clarko does. He watches the young players. He looks at them under pressure, and that's what he judges them on. And you need to judge the leadership at the AFL House as they are under this pressure. And 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 you, this is what people remember, these kinds of things. I'm just glad that we can see Cleary now the ban is gone. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go from that? We might as well just wrap up. No, no, we've got plenty more. Uh, now, I wanted to get to something that was uh, submitted to us by listener uh, Campbell. He did a lot of work on this. Uh, I'm going to read out the whole message that he emailed us with. So I've done some analysis on the fixture so far, basically looking at games where a team has had a home ground advantage versus home ground disadvantage versus neutral games. Up to round 12, where Hawthorne, Carlton, Fremantle and West Coast have had a buy round, Hawthorne rank is having the equal hardest draw in terms of grounds played on. This is despite us having played one less game, so take that into account, and we have easily had the roughest draw. We've also had six games where we've had a disadvantage, which is the most in the league, and only one game, the Brisbane game, all the way back in round one, Tiz, where we've had an advantage. That was our home game at the MCG. That's as good as it got. Now, this does not surprise me at all. I hate that little Travis Auld. He gives us no favours. Campbell continues, We play St Kilda, Essendon, Bulldogs, Port, Adelaide and Gold Coast in the remaining rounds. So reading between the lines, that would give us a hub in Queensland against Gold Coast and two of the Melbourne teams, with a remaining hub in Adelaide to play the two Adelaide teams and the last Melbourne team. Might just be me, but I reckon our stance on staying in Tassie has resulted in the AFL putting us on the worst possible draw. Oh, I don't think you need to go that far. The AFL never give us a good draw. Got nothing to do with Tassie. (laughs) You don't need to give them an excuse, mate. I appreciate the work Campbell's done, though. That was very well done. And I think what we might do is we'll screenshot the table he drew up just to... I, I understand there was a slab of text I read out, but just to really hammer it home and illustrate the point, we'll, we'll put it on social media, at Pod and facebook.com slash Uh 
just how bad our draw has been this year. And now, look, I know extenuating circumstances and all that, but, jeez, it's been horrific. Yeah, well, it's extenuating circumstances for everybody, but everybody else got a better draw. But anyway, someone has to have the worst draw, don't they? Campbell Ads, love your podcast, by the way. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much, Campbell. It was very nice of you to send that through. That's the kind of stuff I love to do, but, you know, the venom that would come out of me getting halfway through that, I'm not sure, Campbell... How you finished it, to be quite honest. Cause, uh... <laughs> Just a couple of things to finish. We heard from Mr. Kukulamanza at Hawk Talk Pod. If we could bring three players back from retirement in tip-top condition at the prime of their careers, who would they be and why? Um, at the moment, I'd love to see Platten, Pritchard and Crawford running through the centre, just streaming on through. All right, I'm going to give my three. Uh, number one, unquestionably, would be Cyril Rioli. I'm also going to plug into our lineup a forward I know that we can depend on. That'd be Jason Dunstall. And for my third one, how about this for a dark horse? Let's bring back the Biff. Let's get Campbell Brown back. <laughs> there we go. Ah, oh, Campbell. He was interesting even when the ball wasn't anywhere near him, wasn't he? Incredible stuff. I just kind of miss it. I don't think his particular expertise as as like a pure football player. I don't think we're missing that right now. But God, I love his grit. I'd love some of that tough stuff again. That ball drop. That ball drop was the stuff of nightmares. I remember that. Hey, mate, didn't matter in the 08 grand final, did it? Oh, in the first quarter, setting up the day. Yeah, that was a great goal. Sensational goal. Anyway, there's our three each. Uh, We move on to hearing from AK at Hawk Talk Pod. I'm thinking the only thing that'll get me through this new lockdown, he's a Victorian there, AK, clearly, is a daily Hawk Talk Pod. What say you? What did you put this in for? There's no good answer for this. There is a good answer, and that is we're enormously flattered. Uh, I I can speak for myself here. If I could do this full time, I would. But it's just it's just not the way things are at the moment. But uh, I, I'm enormously flattered that someone could love our show that much that they want to hear from us daily. <laughs> I don't know what we keep talking about. <laughs> I don't know either. But all I know is, mate, uh, and I looked into this. If you wanted to, you could go from Sunday morning to Monday evening. And hear from Matthew Lloyd. No. And get his opinions three times over. Oh. You could watch the Sunday footy show. You could watch Access All Areas on AFL.com.au. And you could watch Footy Classified. Do you think that's enough in about a day? Do you think that's enough, Matthew Lloyd? Also, I think he's on 3AW. The one thing about Matthew Lloyd, and I think the reason that he never really, you never really get tired of Matthew Lloyd, is because his opinion is so lightweight that it's instantly <laughs> forgettable. Instantly forgotten. I can't remember a thing he's said wrong uh, or been wrong on because I, I just don't value the opinion. It's just uh... he doesn't quite match it with the heavyweights. Like his colleague Kane Corns has absolutely mastered it, hasn't he? Where he just says the most inflammatory thing. He just lobs a grenade, and that'll be a talking point for a few days. Oh, he's getting a bit lazy now, old Kane. Still trying to throw the same grenades. Yeah, did you like his take on Hawthorne's win that uh, maybe they should have lost? That was a curious one. Yeah, it kind of um, brought me back to his his effort against Cyril Rioli on the boundary line when they were about 150 <laughs> points down in the MCG that day. And I just thought, yeah, probably. You would have done that, Kane. <laughs> And I think on that, we'll begin to wrap up the show. Uh, Apple Podcasts, if you do love the show, let us know. Uh, Hit us up with five stars and leave a review. Uh, Paul the Salmon has left a review. Now, just for context, mate, 
this review was written at a time where the club wasn't in particularly good form. We weren't coming off a win. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul begins, In a season where highlights are becoming harder to find than Jason Dunstall's hair, Nick and Tiz continue to deliver for Hawks fans. Their dissection of each week's match is something I look forward to. It's like putting a salve on a match day sunburn. There's nothing more desolate than the feeling following a bad loss, but to know you're part of a community that cares enough to hurt and is looking ahead to the next shaft of sunlight makes it all bearable. Great work, guys. Very kind from Paul the Salmon, isn't it? Uh, I've got to say, though, I was fingering the old uh, DVDs at uh, halfway through that first quarter, <laughs> looking for an upper at the end of that game. It didn't look good for a second there, but isn't it interesting? Because that review was left maybe like a, a week or a week and a half ago, and how far we've come, mate. We, we rode the bumps with a grin, as it were, and uh, now we're celebrating a win. The clouds make you appreciate the sunlight. Exactly right. Uh, Twitter, at Pod. so much fun, of course, after a win, and Facebook is the same. You can join us over there, facebook.com slash Pod. Uh, Patreon is the big one. If you want to support our show, that's where you head, patreon.com slash Pod. Uh, your support helps us out a lot. Uh, it basically, I, I can speak for myself, it legitimizes this as, as work to do. Uh, I think in years gone by, like I have my day job, there'll be times where I'm like, oh, I really, I should be sinking time to the thing that actually keeps me afloat. Um, That's changed. Things have evened out. By people supporting this show, I can work on this as a thing that I love and a thing that really keeps me keeps me going. And that's that's down to you, the listeners. So uh, let me be perfectly clear about that. I enormously appreciate that fact. All right, pretty good wrap-up, uh, Nick. That was good. Um. Just one thing I wanted to uh, talk to you about before we end the Zoom. Um, Hawthorne went and picked your bloody tweet from the game on Friday night and put it in their rundown. (laughs) I'm sorry. You had like two tweets and they picked yours. (laughs) And you put your name on it. It's just ridiculous. Oh, I need to apologise. Now, listeners, I, I don't know. Not not all of you are on Twitter, so I have to fill people in. Oh, don't worry. They will have seen it. It's been plastered everywhere by the club. <laughs> Good old Nick, the master tweeter. I, I handed the social media reins to, uh, to Tiz on Friday night. Uh, no particular reason. We just thought, oh, why not? And, and you were game for it, Tiz. And I thought, okay, I'll take the night off. Um I think it's time I acknowledge that there's maybe a little bit of a control freak in me because I could not get off the account. I couldn't resist <laughs> tweeting when Jarman Impey kicked that goal. I just had too much emotion. I knew when you did it that it would end up there, you know, <laughs> on the social media rundown. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, mate. You did such a great job. That that's... No, I'm, having a, I'm having a play with you. I don't give a shit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, great place to leave it. Uh <laughs> What, what are we doing, mate? Because we've got a bit of time between games. We're doing that special commentary tra- track for the Frio game, the uh, 2015 prelim. Um, I, I'm putting you on the spot here. Do we come back and preview Monday night's game? What do, what do you want to do? Yeah, I think we should. I think that'll be a very interesting game. Um, Frio played a, a, a very uh, defensive style in the first half, but then they freed themselves up. They've got a couple of nice young players. Um, there's a um, there's a Joby Watson Toby Watson on the back line at uh, Frio. And it's actually Joe Watson just wearing like a Groucho Marx get-up. And uh, I have a soft spot for Frio after the supporters were so nice to me on grand final day in 2013. So uh, they basically congratulated me on the day, which was interesting. You realise how utterly patronising that sounds. No, but they actually... No, I, I, I'm, I'm being honest. They, they were lovely. I have never seen 
anyone lose a grand final so happily. <laughs> just happy to be there, mate. Just happy to be there. Okay, so we are coming back. Uh, to just look out for it. I don't know. We haven't actually organised when we're doing that recording. We're literally talking about it now, listeners. But we are going to be back for the preview. Uh, enjoy the win. Ride that wave. This is the most positive we've felt, and a lot of Hawks fans have felt about the club for just... Uh, for a hot minute so you might as well enjoy it watch the highlights share us around share the podcast around with your hawks mates get on board and uh we'll see you again during the week we are a happy team at hawthorne